Welcome to the final week of our first year at Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing good. Yes? Yeah, just really kind of dawned on me again. It's like, yeah, this is sort of like the anniversary it, it, Well, it's not here. the anniversary episode. Not the anniversary episode. This but is, is the end of the year 52. episode. Next week's episode yeah. will be the anniversary episode. This is episode 52. We have done 52 of these in the span yeah. of one year. That's, that's an achievement, man. That's an achievement. Yeah. And if you've listened to all of them, you're hardcore and you're our people and we thank you for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So Yeah. We have people. They're they're out there. And one of yeah. them is going to actually get something next week, like announced next week. Yep. So uh, if you are listening so to this as a first run episode, uh, we've been running a little giveaway and next uh -huh. month we're going to run another one, but this is our fir very first one and our first winner gets announced on anniversary episode number one. So that's pretty cool. We don't know who it is yep. yet because there's still a few days left, but. Uh, yeah, you can still squeak in under the radar here. So come in. So yeah, come, yeah. not too late yeah. to enter. It's not too late to enter. Anyway, yeah. today. We be talking about recording templates. Recording templates. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, look at that. We almost synced that. How almost. about that? <laughs> yeah. Go back um, and post. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, well, you know, we do a lot of talking here about obviously recording and stuff, but but also it seems like when we're talking about templates and things in our DAW that the focus tends to be on mixing templates. Yes, but, mixing and mastering, um, but mostly mixing at this point. Right. Um, but recording templates, mm -hmm. I think, are, are equally important. They can be, very uh, much so. Yeah, absolutely. So um, are you using them? Are you using writing and recording templates? Yes. He asked not knowing the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what I'm doing, the answer is yes. Sometimes yeah. I am not using them, but... More often than not, depending on the project, there is a template that has been created for that project and then gets reused because there are multiple things around that project that need similar sounds. And whenever I've got something that requires similar sounds, a template is made so that when I have to create the next piece of music that falls under the same vibe, that template comes open and saves me a good 10 or 15 minutes of setting everything up. Right. And that's so, a lot of time. It, it can be, yeah. So you don't have, like, when you just, hey, I'm just going to start writing. Do you start with a blank mm -hmm. each time? And the, Really? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean, yeah. when you and I write, we kind of mostly blank to me. I mean, it's not like it's yeah. heavily set up. But uh, there are other times when it's just me and I'm coming up with the ideas and I'm like, you know what? This is what I want to work with first. And and the main reason why – I don't even want to go into that reason. Let's not – because we're not talking about why we're not using templates. We're yeah. talking about why we're using templates. So shut right. up, Joe, and let Chris move on. <laughs> well, because I, I, I tend to have templates for when I – no matter – let's say I'm just going to – I'm in writing mode and I want to get – you know, something down, whether mm -hmm. it's an idea or whatever happens. Well, it's usually an idea, isn't it? But but a part or something. Um, the first thing I want to do is not 
start routing and loading instruments and things. Right. So I tend to have like a very bare necessities type of starting writing and recording template that has just, it could be, I think I have, right now I have, you know, one or two different guitar amps loaded up, like a clean and a dirty kind of sound. I have a bass, I have, you know, a superior drum kit loaded mm -hmm. in and I have a piano. So whatever that part is, like I can just go in and start laying down stuff. And it doesn't mean that those are the, the sounds that are going to end up there at the end, but, but I just want to get going quickly. Right. So well, and, and it, you just said it right there with saying, get going quickly, the speed yeah. of when in your inspiration strikes. So in that regard, it's a great idea to use templates, especially if you know exactly what you're going to be using you know, for, for your common sound, for you as the artist or the right. writer or whatever it is that you're doing. So I can understand that. And yeah. And I think that, that now this is something I know that we have talked about in past episodes, but it is important to sort of keep in mind that my recording template is not a be all end all for anything that I might end up doing. It's just a bare bones thing because we talked about before the, the past in logic, what how we would use to work on our auto loads mm, and try yes. to just think about every possible scenario that you would come up during a tracking or the kitchen sink session. method. <laughs> yeah. And you're never done working on your damn auto load, you right. know? So you, you're always trying to, so it's not that, but it is handy to just kind of have something. You open up a project and you got, you know, your basic tools ready to go uh, when you want to do that. So mm -hmm. I, I'm a big fan. Now, that, that's just from a writing perspective. There are obviously other, um, you know, things that would be beneficial, beneficial for that as well. Well, you know uh, that well, beneficial is a dog food, right? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, I, I use things that, that I have in there all the time. That might be like a basic synth, like I said, a piano, guitar, mm -hmm. just something to get me up and running. Uh, I also might have some basic processing available in there as well. Like there might be, you know, a generic delay. There might be a reverb, something like that, that I know I always do. Same thing for, um, I mentioned I have usually a superior drummer right. kit there, so I can lay down some kind of groove. And things tend to get processed in a very similar fashion with that. So those are loaded there as well. I might have a certain compressor on my snare or any of that. So I get like a decent sound, but this is not like a full production type of thing, but everything is there and it sounds decent when I get going. And how, how does that work for you when it comes to, uh, what do they call that? Delay compensation. So when you have something that might be slightly processor intensive, to me, that's distracting in the writing process. How do you deal with that? Well, in Logic, I just have the plug-in delay compensation turned on. So it compensates for that. I, I don't really notice any kind of latency or anything like that while I'm tracking. Okay. So no, if it had that, it would be horrible. Right. <laughs> right. So, it, but, but the well, main offender is... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, that's why I was bringing up the concept of like when 
you talk about your presets here and I think about, oh man, the more I start to add, the more delay can be added into the signal when I'm writing. And to me, that's, that's frustrating to hear, which is why when I have templates, generally speaking, they don't contain a lot of the production elements of mm -hmm. certain things like compressors or certain EQs that I would actually use in, in anything. I usually just listen for the raw sound and I'm weird like that. Like I, when I record vocals, they're bone ass dry. There's no yeah. reverb or nothing on them. And I know other people dig space on when they're listening to themselves sings or, or whatever it is that they're doing. And you mentioned having like maybe a reverb or a delay or some sort of thing. I can understand that because most of the time you're not going to hear a delay put in via a reverb unless it's probably maybe altiverb or some crazy have processors or intensive reverb. Mm -hmm. um, but things like compression and other things like that, I generally don't have those in my templates at all. Yeah, I haven't noticed that, but, but for me, it's, um, primarily on drums and things mm -hmm. right and, and this so it it's i think it's one of those things of getting as close to that sound for inspirational purposes as you're doing it you kind of get an idea of, of is this is this idea even going to work is, right. is this sounding good you know so it's from that perspective now you mentioned there with latency and things and i remember in the past and this is probably a good lesson for, for somebody if they haven't come across this yet, um, where they have wanted to get like a quick thing on, on their on their two bus just to get the levels up and all this kind of stuff and they add like an, <laughs> a limiter or something to that or an adaptive limiter like you have in Logic. Yep. And those are huge offenders when it comes to adding latency. <laughs> and then you go and track drums like why or tracking anything and then it's like well why why is my vocal late well that's yeah don't do any processing on your two bus for this because it, <laughs> it, it will murder your timing you know murder murder yeah, yeah. it's yeah. things like that 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 i will definitely stay away from and i never recommend them at all and i've had what's a good way to say this i have worked with artists who I've helped build templates for because they have very mm -hmm. specific needs for what they're doing when they're hired to uh, record something for others. Or if they're trying to get in, as you say, a writing mode and they just want to be able to fire up their DAW and be like, yep, I'm ready to roll. I've got my audio interface turned on. I've got my DAW opened up and I am ready to hit record and just start taking the ideas. And yeah. There's a lot to be said for that because that it, it it does kind of get the DAW and the audio interface and your computer kind of out of the way if you have a pre you know a, a template a preset setup that you're going to use for whatever it is that you do. Um, I just lost my damn train of thought. <laughs> damn it! Uh, but it, <laughs> no, it but had it, something to do with latency. And and what I was going to say is is that for me particularly, I you have probably been. Ex the brunt of an experience on this with me, I can hear minor discrepancies, like say between the 32 buffer and the 64 buffer in most DAWs. I can hear the discrepancy for sure between 64 and 128 and anything that gets beyond 128, if I'm not recording at 96K, just drives me up a wall with its delay. And it's, it's so minor that most people would never notice it, but to me it drives me up a wall and I try to not think about it and 
shove it to the side, but it, it it's in it's in my head sometimes. Yeah. So I try not you to think load that up maybe, things in that regard. Do you think maybe that that could be a psychological thing for you as well? No, I like I said, yes, early on it was. Now it's like I try to put it aside and and I just let it be. It's like guitar players that don't like working with amp sims because they claim it's mm-hmm. not the real thing. Amp sims are fucking fantastic and they're great for presets because you can load up as you said, you can have your distortion sound and a clean sound and you're ready to bing bang bong go and you fire up your DAW and you're ready to roll. And that makes it very simple because you're just plugging your guitar into a thing. You don't have to worry about miking it up or however it's going to go. And then you have a direct signal. And if you did an awesome job on your writing and you don't mm-hmm. need to track it again, you can just borrow that track that's DI and go traipsing along into your mix template later. So, yeah. But yeah, so I have helped others create templates for very specific needs. And generally, when I create a template, it's for a very specific need. So that's one yeah. thing I would get out of the way with that is it's, it's templates to me are very specific need oriented. I don't just yeah. make No, them. I mean, I, I do those too. And it, it's really, it's an important distinction as well. Because if we have, let's say that you're writing orchestral music. Mm-hmm. It, if you have to start from a blank slate every time to set up your, you know, your MIDI controllers for expression and you have to load, you know, God knows how many instruments with all the articulations that you need in your key switches and stuff. Yep. That's, that's just brutal. Yes. So in those cases, obviously, if you go in, like you said, okay, load up my DAW, there's my preset, there's my violins, there's my violas, there's my woodwinds, whatever. If you have all that done, then you can just get down to to writing and composing, right? And you yeah. don't have to think, oh, uh, where where was that uh, where where was that uh, bassoon again? You know, no, <laughs> if you have it always set up the same way. So, yeah. and that's yeah, you know, it, just as a point of reference on this, like I remember being at a function, a dinner with John Swihart, who is semi-famous composer. I mean, he did some pretty big stuff. His real big claim to early fame, I would think, if I know his career a little bit, is uh, Napoleon Dynamite, which a lot of people okay. have a love-hate re- relationship with that particular movie. But um, we got on the subject about templates and actual mm-hmm. computer platforms for that matter. And he was running PCs. And he said very specifically, it was the reason why I had everything to do with his orchestral libraries. And his setup and his template in his DAW was so ridiculously large that it required having multiple computers to run his template. Yeah. And that just is like, okay, you know, sorry to hear that, but you know, I understand where he's coming from. And it's like what you just said, when you got guys that are doing orchestral mock-ups, they've got giant rigs often. Although Mm -hmm. with the most recent Mac pro that came out, there was a guy from Canada, I think who does a lot of mock-ups for uh, cartoons in the orchestral world of things of doing things and he had a couple of mac cylinder pros that he was running that he was able to convert down to running one of the new mac pros and he was able to run everything on one computer with a gigantic setup so that was pretty impressive so that's cool for that kind of thing you know you you probably, when you fire up your machine in your morning and you're opening up your day to go work, you're probably going to go hit the start button, load up your template, and walk away and go get your tea while it loads because it's probably going to take a little while. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, but, but even outside of the orchestral orchestral realm, mm-hmm. um, you know, both you and I do this when it gets time to do. Let's say for me as an example, um, it's a couple of years ago now, but but I was asked to write for a library, and it was going to be a collection of uh, '80s sounding cues. Yes. Right? So I got. And I had submitted the first one and they say, yeah, this is cool. This is just what we're looking for type of thing. Right, right. So then I had a template. Then I know, okay, well, I'm going to use these drum machines type of thing and I'm going to use this and that. <laughs> and yeah, it's like awesome. Because now now you have that. Now it makes it easier. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's yes. not like you're taking like a paint by numbers type of thing. But if you know what sounds work, you have at least a starting point. So when you're doing uh, any time of any type of music where you're in the similar realm, it can give you a great starting point. Yeah. Well, and so, I and to follow up on what you're just saying, as we were kind of running through some notes ahead of time here, mm-hmm. I mentioned that I had done a track for the Kardashians yeah. of all people. <laughs> yeah. Not specifically. They didn't call me up and say, hey, Jody, we need a track. But uh, I have a particular track that I did that, has been used prominently in many episodes of their long running show. And I had a library come to me and say, Hey, we want 10 tracks similar to that. So mm-hmm. I used that because when I created that track for the Kardashians, I just made it up. I didn't, I wasn't right. thinking in anything. And it was, that started from a bl- blank slate. But when I was asked to, do some more things in a very similar style. I pulled all the stuff that I did for that track out in terms of the actual recordings and used that as my jumping off point for all of the sounds that were used to create 10 more similar sounding tracks. Yeah. Not similar writing, yeah. but similar sounding. So it, it it becomes that. That's where I'm talking about my templates come from. So like if I do something for the first time, I'm usually working blank slate because I don't want to be encumbered by, oh, I know this, I know that, I know this, I know that, and I'm just going to combine that. And then that becomes the quote unquote, I don't know, Jody sound or something. Um, But to me, it's like- But don't you still find that you have, like, because don't you usually have though, like I have a go-to amp sim for guitars or something like that? Or do you always kind of start from blank? I start a lot from blank. And then if I'm thinking about a particular sound or a particular vibe that I need, because I've created so many presets in particular instruments, specifically for guitar and other things, I will go traipsing through previous sounds to get something that I know is already there. And then if I need it, I'll bring it in. But until I've actually created something like I said, I don't want to get into the reasons of why I'm using where I'm not using templates, but usually it's no, on a fair. first it's a first first written basis. Often I am creating out of the ether because there's a specific vibe, and until I have that vibe created, there's no template per se. You, you don't. I got you. Yeah, no. That, that I think that's oh. a very valid point because unless you have sort of like a specific thing or like you, uh, okay, let's say. 
dumb example, mm. but let's say that you're recording ACDC type of stuff. Well, there's a very specific, you know? that, that going exactly. in knowing that I know what I would already have in place before I'd even hit right. that. But, but, but I'm saying, so unless you're doing like stuff where, where it's specific like that, that's not a scenario when you're going to go, hmm, maybe I'll try a diesel amp on this. <laughs> right. like, no, no, that, that's not going to be, yeah, we're going to go for, um, a D drum kit on this album. No, that's not going to happen, mm -hmm. you know, but maybe if it's, let's say that you're, let's say that you're Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, for example. Of which I've now, created he, a sound that's similar to his. I, I Yeah. But, but, you know, but there's a guy that would probably go through, I don't know, weeks of just kind of like searching for the right boutique esoteric amp that he can get his hands on. Sure. Right? So th then there's more, not to mention all these other bounds of course but but that that's just sort of like a, a bare bones kind of example right um so you okay so you like to create the vibe first and then build around that yes if you're starting from the scratch you don't have like okay this is my basic basic writing template right that is correct that's okay. why you know and, and i don't i encourage people to have that like i said i have helped others build writing templates and, and things of that nature. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's just for my own, like getting past the uh, comment that you made earlier about when we used to create auto loads that we yeah. never finished and we're always tweaking. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is when I go into the studio today, I'm going to fire it up and I'm just going to rock and roll. So uh, <laughs> I got out of that mentality uh, when yeah. I started creating so much different kind of music for people for very specific things. And then now it comes down to, if it's something brand new that I've never done, then I start with a blank slate and I don't necessarily recommend that for everybody. It's just the way I do it. However, that being said, there are times when somebody comes back at me and says, Hey, you know, that thing that you did for this? Yes. Can you do something similar? And for me now, well, now I can go yeah. back and pull that out and, strip all of the writing that was in that and make that a new template mm -hmm. and then go and say, yep, this is the vibe I need because this is what they want. And then tweak from there and it becomes a template. And, and I guess it's because I have a library of things that I've done that makes it easier for me to pull something back out and say, okay, this is now a template for this. And going back, oh, I remember now, oh, should I go back to this? No, we're moving on. <laughs> Sorry. I remember where I lost my train of thought. It just popped back in okay. my head. So we're going to move on. And with that being said, uh, we're going to take a quick break and have a word from our sponsors. And we're back. All right. So what are we moving on to now, Chris? Well, what to include? We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what should we have in this writing template if we have one. Mm -hmm. um, now, one thing that I, I want to bring up that I think is kind of important, uh, at least for me, it was uh, initially, um, there was a time when DAWs were relatively fresh. Yes. And a lot of music fresh. was created and it was at 120 BPM. <laughs> okay. That's the Why EDM that? style. Well, because, doom, 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 well doom. yeah, but EDM tends to be a little bit faster because of the faster heart rate and stuff. But anyway, right. it's because, you know, that was the, the default tempo in most DAWs. And I think it probably still is. Might right? be. So, yeah. So 
that was a big thing for me. So to force myself out of that, mm -hmm. what I would actually do in my writing template is that I would lower the tempo a lot <laughs> so that I would be forced to think about the tempo and not necessarily get in that groove where you're like, okay, well, here's the tempo. Oh, that sounds fine and keep going. So you're forced to think about what that tempo is or you're going to end up writing you know, a lot of songs at 120 or whatever your, your template is set out. So that, that's just a little bit of a food for thought. Sure. Um, now, one thing that, you know, let's say that you have in your, in your space, you have a decent sized room where you're actually recording bands at the same time. Obviously, input routing and things like that should be a part of your template. When you, you say uh, just just quick interjection to clarify yeah. something, you said bands at the same time. I think you mean that all the musicians recording of a bands with all the band, musicians. Yeah, are. not two bands at the same time, but literally what, recording what you, musicians at the same time for a singular band. Don't you know me well enough where you can read my mind at this point? So, <laughs> just clarifying for <laughs> yes. people out there. When, when, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm sorry if I, I I did make that clear. Yeah, when we are recording bands and you have multiple musicians at the same time. Yes. Um, or even you know obviously drum kits and things like like that where you have them possibly mic'd up or at least everything going through your snake and you have everything going in so that you know what while well, the the snare is coming in on this channel and the, the kick that kind of thing have that all done because that is the, the tedious BS that nobody wants to sit around and wait for and and if you have a system where that's always done it's easier to troubleshoot and all that kind of thing and that so, goes for even yeah go ahead. I, I didn't want to cut you off there, but uh, essentially okay. when you're talking about the input routing, there is one thing to my blank slate that is mm -hmm. already done. And that well, is good. all of my inputs are already labeled in my DAW. That I already know. So that portion of a, of a setup is okay. always already done. That never okay, changes. So you, you already have a track that says bass or vocal or guitar inputs not tracks right okay so i have a specific input for bass i have a specific input for guitar i have a specific input for one mic i have a specific input for another mic i have a specific input for a particular mic pre uh, yeah so everything i have gotcha okay i have all the inputs that are currently already routed that are already labeled so that if i pull mm -hmm. up a track and i say oh well i want this to be my bass track well then i just pull that 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 input and it's that already input. labeled and it's already there. So it's very, it's not like the templates already created, but the input structure is already there. That is already done on everything I do. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that's what you were Fair talking enough. about. So, well, yeah, that, that's one of the things that, you know, obviously everybody's going to have different ways of working with us, but, but that's what I would recommend that when you have all the routing, if you're constantly doing the same thing, have that already set up. Yes. Um, other things that, you know, like I mentioned that I tend to do, I have one or two of my favorite amp sims loaded up. Right. And, and even if that's not the sound that I'm going to go for, it's still a matter of like picking a slightly different preset. But I can get going with what it is I want straight away, even mm -hmm. if it's not the sound that's going to end up being, but something close to it. Same with bass amps. And, and depending on your writing style, if you tend to use always like a Rhodes keyboard or whatever, have that loaded, you know, have, so that you can start with that bare bones thing and then just build off of that. Yeah, no, I um, agree with that. 
Yeah. So, you know, other things to, to consider, again, if you're doing sort of like the recording of, of multiple musicians at the same time, it's probably a good idea to have monitor mixes or monitoring mixes routed for the musicians if they, you know, want to hear certain things. So you I, have to set I, that up. Not necessarily levels and things, but you have all the routing kind of set up. I concur with that statement. And yeah. I can show, well, for the Tuesday tip coming up this week, I'm going to show yeah. a particular uh, setup that I did that was used for the famous TV show mentioned earlier. Um, mm -hmm. But in, in light of what you've just said, I have in my blank slates two different cue setups. One that is meant for when I'm working solo by myself and another one mm -hmm. that is meant for when I'm working with multiple people that need multiple monitor mixes. So I have a singular cue mix set up and I have a multiple cue mix set up. So that is also part of my quote unquote blank slate setups that happened ahead of time. Cool. Yeah. Very, very good. So I highly recommend it as you are sitting there talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, we all know that the guitar player just wants more and more guitars and more <laughs> so they can't work with anything, right? And everything else is like, I can't hear the vocals. Oh, well, and the there's those that now. don't like the click track, so I'd like to be able to dial it in and out and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. those that just want to hear either the drummer or some that want to hear more of the vocal, it, it's all relative, you know, but as long as it's pre-set up, it's easy for me to just dial it in and out on, on whatever yeah. function. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So... Uh, I think we can both say we're pro templates. writing templates in, in some way or form. It depends on the circumstance, of course. Uh, I think we have a little bit of a different workflow when it comes to just sort of generic getting up off the ground writing. Yes. Um, but um, it can be very, very useful. Obviously, when you're, let's say that you're going in and you're tracking a band type mm -hmm. of situation, if it's going to be a somewhat cohesive piece of work. It's great to have a template to go in because you're, but that's something that you have mentioned before. I think um, when we talked about mixed templates, mm -hmm. when you ha use that as sort of like a jumping off point when you have done the first song, yes, right? When you kind of mix that and the most, I think you said you tended to use the most complex song first, and then you use that to scale back. Um, it's a really, really good thing as well, I think from, from a tracking standpoint, mm -hmm. once you got the first song sort of tracked and figured out what, what you're going to need and, and that kind of thing, have that obviously as a launching up point for yes. extra tracks, that type of thing. You and and that by that easy. same token, I would probably choose the more complex setup of a song yeah. as if there was like a whole album being recorded. The first one is probably going to thinking about it ahead of time, the most complex one is the one I'm going to set up the template for the whole project for is essentially yeah. how it is. And then, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Again. Yeah. It's then easier to scale back than it is than to constantly add. So, yeah, it's not like you can't obviously, but it, no. it, if it's, it, it's a lot easier when, when, when you have it already prepared. And, uh, I'd like Last to say it's easier to subtract <laughs> than it is to yeah. add. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they can be very helpful. And again, I, I do want to stress here that I'm not talking about um, 
covering every single thing that might happen as you're uh, as you're writing or you're recording. You, you just want sort of like the bare necessities to get you up and going, and so you can start getting ideas out quicker. Um, so you don't have to first thing you do. Oh, I get this cool piano line. Let me load up my DAW and where's my favorite contact instrument or whatever. Now I have that already done. So you just boom and do it. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a relief. I yeah. Think. Well, and so some DAWs good. make that initial like grab of a template very easy. So yeah, there is a particular. I I did a project for a band out of Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I took the first most complex song that they sent me and used that as the template guide for everything else that they sent me to kind of pull in afterwards. And to go back just a little bit, that particular uh, band, the main guy that was doing the tracking had come to me saying, well, if I track at the level that you're suggesting, I can talk over that and I can still hear myself. And I'm thinking, you should be able to, <laughs> but that's, <laughs> yeah. that was a whole different episode, but yeah, that was setting up the templates kind of thing. It, it comes like a project thing. And I generally go, and I would recommend this. I mean, you go for the more extravagant version first, and then it's easier to subtract something when you're like, Oh, we're not going to need this click by delete. You're done. Yeah. So anyway, with that, uh, we're bowed up, right? Yeah. I think so. I was, I'd say the last thing we can just to put a bow up on this is like, is there any, are there any drawbacks to having it? Well, the, the big drawback that I would see, and this is why I tend to, when I'm creating the very first version of something, and I kind of mm-hmm. start with that blanker slate of just my inputs, uh, has to do with not wanting to be locked into always doing the same thing. And to yeah. me, I think a lot of the times, if you're constantly creating with just the same setup all the time, you're going to lock yourself into always doing the same thing. And that becomes stale to me, which is why I don't always start with a setup. It's, it's, I usually create the setup that I need for a project, and then I use it for the project, and then I archive it. So that's just a personal preference of mine, but I don't think that everybody works that way. So I'm not going to say, well, it's my way or the highway, but yeah, that's just yeah, an no, observation. But that, I think that that's a valid point though. I think that's something to be wary of when you're doing this, because it could be the same thing, whether it's, you're always using the same guitar sound, you're always using the same keyboard patch, whatever it happens to be. You can end up painting yourself in the corner a little bit. Well, I think you're, the- you're it, the best way to say this is it's going to depend on what your musical career goal is. You know, if you're Yngwie sure. J. Malmsteen, you're probably yeah. using pretty much the same setup for the last however many years he's actually been performing. I don't think there's been a lot of drastic changes in his setup. So, yeah. And you know, same thing with ACDC. There's not a lot of drastic change going on there. And there doesn't need to be. That They do what they do and they do it very well. And, and it makes it simple in that regard. And that's awesome. So, but for somebody that's doing a lot of varied projects, to me, that paints you a little bit into a corner. Now, you need to paint some sort of a corner when you actually have an entire project that has to sound cohesive. It's <laughs> the best way to yeah. say it. So, that's just... That's that's the caveat that I would throw there. Yeah, it, it's it, you got me thinking about something because we're we're talking about and we're mentioning mostly like 
you know, rock bands type of stuff here. Sure. But it almost becomes even more important, I think, with let's say that you're in the EDM world. Yeah. Where it's sort of like a thing that always strives on like new ideas, right? And, and fresh mm -hmm. sounds and things that you haven't heard before. If you're constantly using, you know, the same lead patch or if you're always using the same kick or something like that, you you can start. I mean, it, it's sort of like it's almost sounds spinal tapish, right? But but it's <laughs> it's like it's the fine line there by sort of defining your style as opposed to just sounding the same all the time. Right. You know what I mean? So that's something to be aware of. Um, so yeah, just because, but then again, just because it's in your template doesn't mean that that's the one that you have to use. Sure. Yeah. No, very much yeah. so. All right. With that, All let's right. uh, shoot on to Friday Finds, Chris. You always Yay. kick this off. So I was, um, I've been working on a project for uh, somebody where I've been tracking some guitar and bass, and it's been a really cool project. And I found myself looking for, I wanted to add some grit to the bass. Mm, grit. And I went searching for distortion type plugins. And I came across this one from a company called Mercurial, and it's called Greed Smasher. Greed Smasher? Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, it is a free plugin, actually. Okay. AU, VST, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and in this case, it just kind of fit the bill. I'm like, I'm going to try something, you're just going to add some dirt to it. So um, that was a cool thing. It was a price I could afford not to like. It sounds it like everybody could out. afford not to like it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, Greed Smasher from Mercurial. They have other ones as well, but that was the one that sort of stuck with me that, uh, but yeah, it was kind of cool. So what about you? What do you, you know, I, discover? Well, just thinking really quick about the fact that you're talking about something to get dirty and, and be a little yeah. gritty. Mercurial is a very interesting name for a company that's creating dirty kind of stuff. Cause it's like, that's, that's edgy. The, just the yeah. word mercurial is very edgy anyway, uh, to move on. Hi, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I am going with the, apparently what can be considered the first DAW to implement MIDI 2.0. And that DAW is a little known DAW called multi-track studio. It's been around hmm. since about 2001. I had not heard of it until about a day and a half ago when I read a little article that said, hey, there's a DAW that's uh, working in MIDI 2.0 now. So yeah. yeah, if you are looking for the cutting edge of MIDI production, this is probably the DAW to try out. <laughs> uh, I wonder how much that, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but I wonder how much that is going to change. Because from what I know, there hasn't been an actual official release of MIDI 2.0, has there? No, the but the parameters and what the, will be included. I believe the parameters are, are pretty much they're set. Just ready they just, for it. They're ready for it. And they're actually, I guess, internally producing the MIDI 2.0 functionality as it is now with whatever it is they're doing. Um, but my understanding is that MIDI 2.0 is like pretty much ready to pull the trigger. It's a matter of all the manufacturers starting to jump on board implement it. to implement huh. it. So this company has been the first. They just, uh, yeah, 
That's uh, they, good on them. Two price they they have two price points. There's one for sixty nine dollars, uh-huh. and there's another one for a hundred and I think nineteen. So uh, it's multitrackstudio.com. Pretty pretty much the name of the DAW and their website, and that's that. So there it is. That's my Friday find cool. for this week. All right, have a re- bone up on that. Read up on that. Yes, sir. All right. With that, uh, we are still hopefully having your attention at this point. Uh, We would like to ask you to go to the website and sign up for our email list. It's at insidetherecordingstudio.com. There are pretty much email sign-up things on every single page. And, of course, doing so gets you more knowledgeable about Chris and I because we talk about some people that we know, people that we know, or the, the, the things that we know and the people we know. And in addition to that, we keep you up on weekly things of like what just happened on the podcast and the Tuesday tips so that you can always be informed. In addition to that, if you send us an email at goldstar at insidetherecordingstudio.com with the phrase recording template, you might just get something back in your inbox that might be fun. If you have a topic of suggestion for us to explain in a future episode, you can contact us at the website on our contact page, and we will put it into rotation for future consideration. And with that, I will say sayonara. See you next week, everybody. Have a good one, Joey. Bye.